I'm Alice Lyons, editor of Homestyle Magazine, and today I'm at the Tehoto Beach House with architects Nick Officer and Anna Farrow of First Light Studio. So Anna and Nick, today we're here at your Tehoto Beach project on the Kapiti Coast. When did the clients first engage you to work with them? We first met them in mid-2016, I think, um, and yeah, we started the design project itself in, a, in early 2017. And the architecture here really responds well to the sort of, you know, coastal landscape. Can you talk us through how the design came to life? It's a pretty extreme environment out here. You've got the sort of the coast sweeping right along the site and Kapiti in the southwest, Kapiti Island. And then you've got the Tararuas along the eastern side of the site and a really pretty strong prevailing wind coming off the coast most of the time. So we always felt like the building was going to need to be a part of the landscape itself and to work with the extremes in the climate and the in weather patterns and also to, to work against them, I guess, yeah. to help the clients be able to live comfortably outdoors and indoors regardless of the weather. Yeah, sure. And what were some of the sort of you know, unique environmental aspects you had to consider? I think that the, the nature of the topography and the ground, we really are like building in, in a sand dune here and it's it's undulating and it's changing as the weather changes and the winds change and the sea changes. Um, we, we were lucky that we were designated a building platform within quite a large site. Uh, I, I recall building our, our first computer model of the topography and it crashed our computer because it was so undulating. <laughs> um, so it was kind of how do you create it? You know, the, the question was constantly how do you create a house that responds to um, such a landscape and sits really sympathetically with it. Mm. Uh, so I think that was our design challenge from the start and, and kind of drove a lot of the decisions we made. So you're really, you know, right in amongst the dunes here and it's quite that kind of rugged coastal environment. Um, did you, yeah, what sort of, was there much excavating that had to be done on the building platform? There wasn't too much excavation, but the, the platform was right on one of the higher dunes. And in order to make the house feel like it was naturally within the dunes or even part of the dunes we we sort of dug that top edge off the dune and kind of nestled the the house into the back of it and then built up a courtyard with a bit of a retaining wall so that we're kind of rebuilding that dune up again and the idea was that this the, the roof hovering over the the space was to emulate the dune that was beforehand yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. and we're on the Kapiti coast we're about an hour north of Wellington and anyone that knows Wellington well it's a very windy yeah. <laughs> windy space and I think that was one of our biggest um, again design challenges how do we create a, a home and a space that is usable in many wet weather conditions yeah, we've got sure. a, a very strong northerly or northwesterly that comes off the coast but we also have very cold southerly that comes kind of back from Wellington um, so using our, our building and our architecture to create protection from the wind mm. and, and considering the dunes that are around us that do the same thing, um, really important. Well, it is really nice here, like sitting here, you are sort of hunkered down into the dune and, you know, despite it being quite a windy day, it's really <laughs> peaceful inside. Yeah, I think, and that's probably testament to the way we build houses today as well. Exactly. Um both with our, our building envelope and also our windows. Mm. Uh, these The windows in this house particularly double glazed. There is a lot of glass, but we still feel, um, it still feels quiet and safe and secure. Mm. And, like you say, a very windy day. Yeah. 
And so here in the design, there's sort of a really clear division between the public and private spaces. Can you talk us through the floor plan? Yeah, well, there was the idea is that it is it was designed as a batch that would end up being a permanent home. Um, but, you know, so there's that element of it being a beachside retreat. Yeah. But also the idea that in a batch, lots of people can come and you can accommodate lots of people for a time or especially during summer holidays, yeah. you might have lots of people around for barbecues and dinner parties and things. So the 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 house, the part of the house that's facing the sea, mm-hmm. so we've got the north, west and east kind of facades of the building, are the public spaces, the yeah. entertainment area, and it's a nice big open lofty space that allows you the panoramic views right around from the coast to the to the dunes in the background. Um, and yeah, it's it's dedicated as an entertainment space with um, dining patios on either side to accommodate for the sun and the wind. So you, you can have a nice morning coffee out on the eastern yeah. patio, or at night you can be out on the western deck watching the sunset. Um, yeah, so it it feels really open and um, yeah, a, a nice sort of collaborative mm. space. And Des- then, yeah, mm. designing small really underpins our practice as well. Yes. Small and smart, yeah. kind of using the most of every every inch of a house. And mm. this isn't a big house; it's hundred about one hundred sixty yeah. square yeah. meters, including the garage. Um, yeah, so, right. Yeah. But when designing that way, it, it, it is even more important to separate public and private in yeah, terms exactly. of um, you know removing living spaces from sleeping. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of day to day versus the nighttime more public and private. Mm. And um, there is a stylistic change as well between the two halves of the house. So. You can see um, there's the big, like, lofty um, lifted ceiling here, but when you go into the sleeping spaces, the accommodation spaces, it's a lower, a dropped ceiling. The spaces are kind of more intimate, Intimate, closer, different colour palette. It's a a good way to manage budget as well. Yes. Um, You know, we spend 80%, 90% of our time in the living spaces and then retreat for sleep. So often the simpler spaces kind of more functional and practical and and we we save that, that, that... material and quality for those spaces we inhabit all of the time yeah exactly mm-hmm. for the drama mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is a real threshold between the two spaces as mm. well because we brought the cladding from the outside it's almost like there are two different boxes of building yes and you actually you leave the entertainment space and yes. you walk into the accommodation space so you do feel like you're retreating yeah and i really like how uh you know even though it does open on both sides um you've got these sort of moments of looking out as well so the way that you've used the first windows and doors picture windows to frame the kind of select views up and down the coast can you tell us about your thought process here yeah that's always a challenge on on a site where the the key views are to the south yeah um, because you don't want to put too many windows facing south so um looking at Kapiti Island we wanted to make sure that we'd we select and we really strategize where those windows are going to go. So, um, for example, we've got a set of doors centered on the kitchen island, so when you're preparing dinner, it frames Kapiti Island there, and there's a window, a picture window, at the end of the dining table, which does the same thing for when you're sitting around eating. So, yeah, so it was just about framing that view in certain places that it was going to get the most enjoyment out of. Yeah, and even actually having that box seat um, with the picture window right beside the um, the dining area is quite special as well, just that rugged connection to the outdoors. Yeah, it's quite fun. And, um, I mean, even when it was being built, the builders said 
that they sort of naturally gravitated towards there in their smoko. They yeah, right. Like, I like this box window. <laughs> I think we're we're too probably too quick in New Zealand sometimes to just face windows everywhere, everywhere to a view, and we're we're yes. coastal here, and we're the coast is basically west facing. Yeah, just mm. that low, strong. Um, afternoon, evening sun, mm. and the you know our practice is built on people and on uh, on, a, on you know a, creating a better planet as well, and and west facing windows and the you know the heat of summer, um, you know. Isn't you're going to need to start putting in um, quite a lot of um, mechanical ventilation or air conditioning if if you want a building that's full glass, yes. facing west. So yeah. Yeah, I so think it's, yeah. Yeah, you're it compromising comfort when you do that. Exactly. You, you so could make something beautiful, yes, but not useful. But functional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes you can have too much of a good thing yeah. right, with all of that. We, we always find it's, it is really nice to, to frame something. Mm. And so your, your building's being very deliberate or your architecture's being deliberate. We can stand outside on the deck and get the whole view. So exactly. when we're inside, why don't we experience something and then add something different in the kitchen or the living yeah. makes it feel a bit more special, I think, yeah. rather than being able to see everything all, all the time. I like that too. And that you can also create moments for in, inward introspection as well rather than... Mm, like, know. for example, in the living space, um, we actually had to... Um, almost encourage the clients to put windows in there because yes. they wanted it um, to have art artwork and yeah. be quite a dark space. So we've only got two little yeah. windows that open for ventilation mm-hmm. um, so that they can have their art collection on the walls. And the thing here, though, that the joinery is not just about the views. Like, what led to the decision to surround the space with the residential series Clearestry windows? It was... Um, in the, the move was to lift the roof off the house. Yeah. To, so we've got the feeling when we're in here that the, the roof is floating and it's a landscape element. Mm. And so we're, we're sitting in under it being protected by that roof. Um, but yeah, having the clear story band all the way around, it just gives it that separation and um, makes the architecture feel lighter as well, I think. Um, yeah. Well, it's also nice on approach when you arrive at the property and you just get that glimmer of the surrounding landscape in those windows. Yeah, that's true. And it's quite cool because from, from the arrival up on the um, the driveway, you can see through to Kapiti yeah. as well, which is quite cool. And then from sitting in the living spaces or the dining, you see back, you can see back to the Tarara Ranges as well, mm. you know, the opposite side of the coast here, which is, you know, was important for our clients and yeah. a, a pretty cool briefing point. And the windows are not just, you know, they're, they're, they're a residential thermal heart product, so they're thermally broken mm-hmm. windows. Again, our, the, the way we work is there's a real focus on building performance and making yes. sure our homes are healthy, warm, dry. They're physically healthy, but also mentally, in terms, you know, that you can sit in here and not be, um, you know, attacked by the wind. Yeah. <laughs> that that is, is pretty constant out here. Yes. Um, well, it definitely and, feels like yeah. it's doing all of those things, yeah. <laughs> being here. Yeah. And... Um, so that, you know, sustainability is really a key part of your practice. What other eco-principles have you employed in the build? So we've got, I mean, passive solar heating. So we've got our um, big concrete slab. So in the winter, the sun can come in and the slab soaks up the heat and then releases it in the evening. We've also got a hydronic underfloor heating for if there's no sun yes. <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> um, passive ventilation as well. So we've We've designed the windows so that the, you can open them in opposite sides of the house to to draw air through and keep the place cool. Because um, in summer it does get warm out here despite the wind. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to have an, some airflow. Mm. Um, the house is pretty self-sufficient. Apart mm. from electrics, it, it relies on itself. So we've got rainwater collection of mm-hmm. the roof. 
There's a fireplace and a wet back so they can heat the water in the winter without using electricity. It's a natural flow system that deals with wastewater mm. and that's dealt with all on site. Um, and, and again, just the way so some kind of first principles of design in terms of orientation, shading. Yeah. We use our kind of the soaring out eaves of the of the roof line to shade the clear story windows, kind of to prevent that overheating again of the building. The the building envelope, so our walls are thicker than a normal wall and sort of designed for their climate. The residential thermal heart um, window suite is the they're not they're also recessed back into that window frame yeah, as, sure. as a way of improving performance so that we're making sure that our windows stay warm on the inside, even if it's cold on the outside. And, and this, the framing in here is 190 mil thick and it's thermally broken. So we've gone with a, a, a 140 frame and then horizontal framing. So it means that there's less thermal bridging. Yeah, right. Um, so the, the frame is pretty much working as the, the windows mm. frames are doing the same. Yeah, so like right now it's, you know, relatively quiet and it's warm, even though it's quite a cold and windy day outside. Yeah. Actually, I really like how you've utilised the sort of screening as well as another device. What sort of led to that? That was, I mean, it's it's useful for performance mm. insofar as we can, in the, in the summer you do get that setting sun coming in and it mm. does get hot so we pull the screens over and you can still actually they're perforated metal so you yeah. can see through them but they stop the sun coming in so yeah. that's a nice shading device and you can also open the doors and you can lock the screens from yeah. the inside and they all slide across each they, other yes they do them. yeah so um all of the sliding doors in the main space you could have them open lock the screens and the clients can go down to the beach yeah. and leave the house being ventilated while they're away, but secure. Yeah, which is pretty handy for a batch. Yeah. And so that key, I mean, we've really sort of been talking about that, the key material palette is your starting point is often those sustainable attributes or was it partly the covenants here? Or I guess the material that? palette, I mean, the sustainable attributes are, are our bottom line. Yes. You know, we don't, we don't deviate from those, but the material... The palette on the exterior itself is often derived from the environment. So mm. we've used the tones of the, the landscape. Um, we've got an exposed slab that it looks kind of like the sand down on the beach, sort of swirly, um, kind of an, it's quite an organic looking concrete yeah. rather than a honed or polished look. Um, we've got cedar cladding, which we, right from the outset, we stained it a sort of a silvery colour, mm. like the driftwood around here and, and the fact that over time it will silver off anyway so yeah. it's kind of nice to to give it a good start yes um, yeah the the plywood on the ceiling it's the same tones as the the scrub yeah know, the, all of the um grass tussocks and tussocks around there yeah yeah so yeah it really is derived from what what we see around us and trying to blend that in and yeah. trying not to have just drop an object onto the site but rather blend it in with the, mm. with what's going on already mm. and um on revisiting what are some of the sort of key features that you're most pleased with i really like the eastern courtyard yeah um, it's really come into its own now that a few years on the the plants have all grown up because that was how we intended it's designed as we were talking before about it being hunkered into the landscape um, it feels like you kind of dug into yes. a quite a nice sheltered mm. space and with the plants all cascading over top of the 
the retaining walls, it, it feels really nice. Yeah, because it's a bit of a passion project here for your clients as well, regenerating the local native Yes, planting. yeah, it's been a, a lot of work for them, um, taking away all of the scrubby stuff yes. and the lupins and replanting natives. Yeah. Um, and, you, yeah, you, I guess you'll, you'll see <laughs> how many little tiny plants they've yes. had to, like with little covers. They say the rabbits are terrible out here, so yeah. they learnt that the hard way. Right. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, that I, I when I was talking to them the other week, I said, "Oh, maybe you could get some woofing people coming to stay, yes. and they could help." And Alan said, "No, I, I really like it. It's kind of therapeutic yeah. being out there, and and it's it's really rewarding seeing the change over time." Well, if you're having a place that is a escape from the city, it's sort of nice to get your hands in the dirt and things mm. as well, isn't it? You know. Yeah, and they're propagating lots of little natives. It's yeah. really cool. And it's sort of like a a project that you know, whilst it's a batch at the moment, like they do plan on living here in the future so it's a sort of long game really isn't it it is yeah and I think lockdown might have um, catalyzed that move a little bit more so they spend more time here now anyway so working from home now that lockdown's enabled that they've continued it a little bit and um, I think yeah they might move move in here permanently sooner yes (laughs) I reckon there's a real success in quite a simple form yeah, um, which, you know, which makes this house really successful. But that you can, and we've talked a little bit about it. But wake up with the morning sun mm. in the east, eastern courtyard, where you're protected from that northerly wind off the coast. You can spend your whole day in the living spaces where the sun rises in the morning and sets in the evening. Yeah, there are decks on the west overlooking the coast, and carry on all the way around to the south past the bedrooms. There's a um, a cedar hot tub, you know, a space to spend those kind of late evenings. So it's, mm. it really is a house that is from that that point you wake up to go to bed it's quite different and changes well that's the sort of beauty of being in a landscape like this isn't it like connecting with the rhythms of the Mm. day Mm. yeah exactly and I also think it's it is a small house I mean it's 160 squares including I don't know what 20 square meters for a garage maybe a Mm. bit more than that um but it doesn't feel small no which is cool and um when we first when the building was first finished, our clients invited us all round and the, and the builders as well for a roof shout of yes. sorts. And I think there were probably about 25 of us here. And we didn't feel cramped and the acoustics were nice. So I think it's doing what it was intended, intended. to do. Yeah, mm. yeah nice. Thanks for joining us today. To take a look at the Tehoro Beach House by First Light Studio, visit firstwindows.co.nz.